or writing a letter to these people at Ephesus, and he says, let him that stole steal no more. Oh, he must have knew that the people at Ephesus were thieves. But who isn't a thief? Did you ever meet someone that never stole anything? Is there anyone here today that never stole a thing in their lives? Not even a little thing. You see, this commandment truly does affect us all. In Mark's gospel, the Lord Jesus said, Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. And so the Lord Jesus, preaching the law and bringing it into his own age, emphasized that this is a problem. It brings upon men the wrath of God, and it shuts men out of heaven out of the kingdom. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6.10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Welcome to Let the Bible Speak. We're coming today with the message of the Eighth Commandment, Thou shalt not steal. And of course, this is a very common one because we live in a city where there's breaking entries all the time and where men seem to have no compunction against stealing. Corner store robberies, major theft. These are massive problems in our society, and yet God has spoken. And he has given us this command, Thou shalt not steal. We have a hymn today, Trust and Obey. And we turn now to our little uh, devotion in the book of Romans, chapter 2. Therefore thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. For thou that judgest doest the same things. What's the problem here? where Paul is addressing these Jews in chapter 2. Well, Jews tended to consider Gentiles as depraved and despised by God, whereas they, who having the law and the light of God in their history, the Jews considered themselves to be already accepted by God, no matter how they lived. Martin Lloyd-Jones commenting on this, he said, but the Jews seem to say, it does not matter what I do. I am a Jew, and because I am a Jew, I am all right. As for the Gentile, of course, now that is separation of doctrine and life, and it is a terrible danger and a most subtle one. It does not matter whether you have little doctrine or much doctrine. It is really dangerous. There are people who say, I have believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, therefore I am all right. I want no more. I do not want your doctrines. I do not want that deep teaching. I have believed in Christ. I am saved. I want to go. F I went forward, and I have taken my decision, and they go on living more or less as they did before. That is a separation of doctrine and life. They somehow think that because they say they believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, everything is all right. And they pay very little attention to their mode or manner of living. End of quote by Martin Lloyd-Jones. Oh, my friend, this addresses the issues of today. We have many people saying, Lord, Lord, but where is the newness of life? 
Where is their thrill in the Christian life? Where is the blessedness of living in the knowledge and the power of the gospel? I hope that as you listen into the message today here and let the Bible speak, that God will bring you to that experience of new power in the Lord Jesus as your Lord and Savior. So that's just our comment today here in the book of Romans. Coming now to the message, the main message from the pulpit of our church on Thou Shalt Not Kill. I will greet the day with singing, I will meet the dawn with joy, I will praise the Lord of life all day long. I will greet the day with singing, I will meet the dawn with joy, for the Lord has put within my heart a song. Each day is like a new adventure, I am never bored. The little things in life have meaning since I've known the Lord. In Him I'm finding great fulfillment, life seems so worthwhile. So in spite of difficulties, I have learned to smile. I will greet the day with singing, I will meet the dawn with joy, I will praise the Lord of life all day long. I will greet the day with singing, I will meet the dawn with joy, for the Lord is put within my heart a song. I know a day is never perfect, problems come and go. The Lord has promised to be with me, and I've found it so. With Him all things in life have meaning, God is in control. So a song of joy is planted deep within my soul. I will greet the day with singing, I will meet the dawn with joy, I will praise the Lord of life all day long. I will greet the day with singing, I will meet the dawn with joy, for the Lord is put within my heart a song. For the Lord has put within my heart a song. Stop thief. Have you ever heard those words? Someone running out of a shop, their arms full, and the storekeeper uh, is saying, Stop thief. What would you do? Eh, it doesn't matter. We live in a loose society. Uh, you call the police and they say, well, this is happening all the time. Uh, we don't investigate robberies anymore. Uh, what kind of a society would we become? If the uncleanness of adultery is against the holiness of God in the seventh commandment, the unfairness of stealing is against God's justice in the eighth commandment. Theft is against the upright nature of God, who is always straight and honest. And he expects the same upright standard of all men. I carefully crafted those few lines. I hope that they're etched on your heart today, and that you will never be that thief 
running out of the store that someone is trying to stop. You must have the conviction that to steal is to offend not just your neighbor, your storekeeper, but to offend God. God cannot favor it. He cannot allow it to go unnoticed, unpunished, and to steal brings upon men God's condemnation. We have a grand example in Joshua chapter 7, the man Achan, who stole three things, the Babylonian garment, the wedge of gold, and the sum of silver. They were not to take anything from their enemy's spoil, but Achan couldn't resist. And to cover it up, he hid them in his tent under all the other stuff, and he thought he could get away with it. But the story got worse and worse and worse. Israel went to fight Ai. God's blessing was no longer with them. They were defeated, and they began to examine themselves, who has sinned and grieved God, and the search was on. And I can't imagine the fear of Achan in his tent with his spoils soon to be found out. Now, in the New Testament, stealing is also denounced. In Ephesians 4 and verse 28, you will find that the Apostle Paul, there he is preaching at Ephesus or writing a letter to these people at Ephesus, and he says, let him that stole steal no more. Well, he must have knew that the people at Ephesus were thieves. But who isn't a thief? Did you ever meet someone that never stole anything? Is there anyone here today that never stole a thing in their lives? Not even a little thing. You see, this commandment truly does affect us all. In Mark's gospel, the Lord Jesus said, Thou knowest the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not kill. Do not steal. And so the Lord Jesus, preaching the law and bringing it into his own age emphasize that this is a problem. It brings upon men the wrath of God, and it shuts men out of heaven, out of the kingdom. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6.10, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. So if you're a perpetual thief, and that's all you're living for, for your next opportunity to steal something, you'll never be in heaven unless you get saved unless you repent, unless you're changed from that life of breaking the Eighth Commandment. God has put the Eighth Commandment in place to put a hedge about our property. Could you imagine a, a robber breaking into your home when you call the police and they say, we don't investigate B&Es anymore. We just don't do it. We're living in a society where this doesn't matter. Well, in God's law, it matters. And we will stand before not only an earthly judge and give account of, of such crimes, but we'll stand before God on that eternal day. So we want to take a look today at this commandment, this eighth commandment, and I want to look at three things. The causes of theft, then there are the various sorts of theft, and then there is the cure for theft. What would you preach to somebody behind bars who was there for, for being a thief? What would you tell them? We need to look at that. But first of all, the causes of theft. And when you boil it all down, when a person sees something and takes it or premeditates the, uh, the plan, the plot, the scheme to go and grab something that's not his own and take it for himself, 
What is at the bottom of the issue? Well, it's unbelief. It's unbelief. It's a refusal to trust God that he will provide our needs. It is unbelief in the goodness of God. It's a denial of his promises that he will feed and clothe, uh, that the Lord will, you know, we're not to be anxious for the morrow, that the Lord will see that he meets our needs, and we've got to learn to trust him. And so to take the law into our own hands and to break that eighth commandment with the argument, I must have this, is to deny God and the very promises that he provides. A thief, therefore, is a robber of God's character. He, in every way, uh, says that God doesn't provide for me, and I must take the law into my own hands. Now, a few weeks ago, we looked at Elijah and how God provided for him by the brook with the ravens bringing the flesh, and then out of the widow's barrel that did not waste for all those months until the rain came. And there was Elijah and that widow trusting God, trusting in God. But the thief refuses to trust God. And you have to ask, does, does our God live? Do I need to go against God to find provision, or do I need to trust in him? And maybe another question, can you provide for yourself better than God can? That's what the thief is doing. He says, I got to do it my way, no matter what God says. The other cause is covetousness, and that's a huge issue. Covetousness is an immoderate desire to gain. It's beyond our control. It's, it, it is a craving, a lusting for things. And surely that's what Achan's problem was when he took those three things, hid them in his tent. In fact, if you turn to Joshua 7 for a moment with me, you'll, you'll see here the problem, the motivation uh, that was going on in Achan when he took those things. And we turn to chapter 7, 1. But the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing. In the accursed thing. Because God forbade it. He said, no, don't take the spoil of your enemies. Don't take a thing. But Achan couldn't help it. For Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. So you can see that this one act of stealing, three things, brought God's anger, not just upon Achan, but upon the whole nation of Israel. And it brought Israel at Ai. Ai was just a little small city. And Israel said, well, we've, we've conquered down there in Jericho, big scale. Ai is so little. We'll just send a, a small army. But they were routed and defeated. They were humiliated in the face of their enemy. And it was because of this hidden sin by Achan. Now, in verse 21, let's look at Joshua 7, verse 21. He took three things. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonish garment, and two hundred shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold, and fifty shekels weight, then I coveted them. I coveted them. And so you'll see the cause now, covetousness. This craving to get and gain 
So he saw them, he coveted them, and he took them. And then the moment that he took them, he hid them. And how often that is the course that sin takes. We see something, we covet it, we take it, and then we've got to hide it. And of course, it becomes a grief to God. Think of poor Achan in that tent and all the, the fear that must have brought to him while others were sound asleep, the snoring of other tent makers, but Achan couldn't sleep. He had this guilt upon him, this crime that he had committed, this evil that he had done. And of course, thieves don't sleep well. They have a whole lot on their minds and their consciences. And here is the cause. Can this happen to you and me? Could this happen if we were to do these things? No doubt we're in danger of doubting God. We, we think we have to take things into our own hands, notwithstanding God's law, that we can do it our way and provide for ourselves. And we covet, we crave, we desire, and we rationalize almost any action because we have a future plan to put security in our own hands. Now, if you were go to the prison and visit the prisoners, everyone would have their own excuse for why they had to steal. We were hungry. I was fearful. My employer didn't treat me right. All things can be rationalized and excused. But here, the Eighth Commandment, thou shalt not steal, is an absolute law, and the end never justifies the means. The end never justifies the means. You cannot say, I, I did this because I wanted to accomplish that. If you have to break God's law to accomplish something, it's wrong, it's sin, and we become guilty. And that's the reason why we need the gospel in our lives. That's why we need the, the power of a new heart and a new mind, and we need the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver us from this temptation. And of course, we need the cleansing power of Christ to cleanse us from this sin. Now, we'll get to that when we talk about the cure uh, toward the end of our message today. But here's the causes, coveting. Covetousness, which is idolatry. It's, it is to redefine God. God can't provide for me. God is failing. God's too weak, too little, too late. I must do it my way. That's covetousness. And we have to flee, and we have to pray against that very spirit of, well, unbelief and covetousness. We come now to the various sorts of theft. Um, thou shalt not steal. It doesn't specify a, a thing, but there are many types of thievery. First of all, we can rob God. We can rob God of his glory. We can rob God of his perfections, the honor of his name. As uh, Some men, of course, they will not even recognize God. What a robbery that is. God doesn't exist. That is to steal. That is to deny God his glory and his honor. Some men will not worship God. They refuse to bow the knee and honor God as their creator or as the one who rules in their lives. And they make gods of earth, gods of riches, and they make gods of self. Some men boast of their own abilities and talents and says, well, I can get, I can provide, I can accomplish, and they don't trust in God. And in all of that, they are robbing God of his glory. 
Now, this is not a new problem. I go to the book of Psalms, and I read here in Psalm 4:2, O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? Now, there is robbing God of the honor that's due to him and turning it into shame. Isaiah 42, 8, I am the Lord, that is my name, and my glory will I not give to another, neither my praise to graven images. So when you turn away from God and worship another God, you're robbing the true God of his glory. And then Isaiah again, 43, 7, every one that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. Now, can you and I honestly say that all we do and all we aspire to do is for God's glory, not for our own gain or praise of men, but for God's glory. We can rob God. We can also rob God of our tithes and offerings. Aha! I know this is a touchy one. And you see, every preacher does this. They find a way to get to the wallet. Well, it fits in here. I cannot but mention this one. And I, as I said earlier, I'm going to attempt tonight to kill the lie of those prosperity gospel preachers who tell you that you just name it and claim it, word of faith, and you can be rich, and God wants you to be rich, and so on. But the one thing we do know, God does not want you to rob him of that first fruits that he gives unto you. This is a basic rule of stewardship, that the first portion is the Lord's. And in the New Testament, we don't specify tithing, but grace would tell us we ought to do no less, but maybe more. And so a Christian is to endeavor to honor God, obey God, and give to him that which he requires, that first portion. Let me quote Dr. Kearns on this one. Um, his book on the law of God, the Ten Commandments, is called The Chariots of God. I recommend it to you if you can get a copy of it. Let me just read you this three-line quote. In support of God's work, we should give out of love, cheerfulness, and faith, grateful for all the Lord has given to us, and assured that he will meet our needs both now and in the future. Now, that's not the prosperity gospel, because it says he, God will meet our needs. And one great text on that is Philippians 4:19, uh, that my God shall supply all your need according to his riches in glory. And so your tithe is never wasted money. We are to seek first the kingdom of God, and as we obey God and work for his kingdom and support his kingdom, the promise is all these things shall be added unto us. And I'm not going to go the route that if you give one dollar, you will get a hundredfold in return. That's nothing to do with money. 30-fold, 60-fold, 100-fold. But the television preachers, they use that, and they say that if you give to God, he gives a 100-fold, which is 10,000%, or 3,000% if it's 30-fold. Now, if you're into investing, who wouldn't fall for that? Who wouldn't say, that's a good deal? And if I have faith, and if I have money, and I give to God, I'm going to be rich. God never promises to make us rich in earthly terms, meaning that we have more money than others, but he does promise that he will provide 
our needs. And if it is God's commandment, and we refuse to give God the tithe, then we're robbers of God, and we are denying him that place. Haggai, he talked about putting money in bags with holes. In other words, God can take away your blessings, and all your labor and efforts just seem to come to nothing. Or God can stabilize, strengthen, and support you through even difficult times. Then we can rob God of his day. We're to give one day to God. All that day, we're to use it for worship and witnessing and walking with God. We've got to make sure that we use all of that day. Thank you for joining with us on Let the Bible Speak. This is Ian Golliher. If I can be of personal help, make sure you give me a call. George Gallup, the world-famed statistician, said, I could prove God statistically. Take the human body alone. The chance that all the functions of the individual would just happen is a statistical monstrosity. No doubt the Bible tells us the fool hath said, there is no God. I hope you've enjoyed the program today, listening to Let the Bible Speak, as we have brought to you today the message on the Eighth Commandment. And I trust that you will rejoice in the Lord as your Savior and Redeemer. Once again, my name is Ian Golliher, on the air each day to bring you the message of the gospel. If I can be of personal help, give me a call. Be in touch go to our website. Stand by now for these announcements. This is Pastor Ian Golliher. Call me, please, at 604-897-2040. For all the details of our broadcasts across Canada, go to ltbs.ca. This broadcast comes to you today from the Free Presbyterian Church in Cloverdale. 
located at 18790 58th Avenue, Surrey, at the corner of 188th Street and 58th Avenue. Our website is cloverdealfpc.ca and there you can find gospel articles, links to our sermons, a gospel booklet called A New Beginning and a link to watch our services online. You're warmly invited to attend any of our Sunday services at 10.30 a.m. and 6 p.m. to meet with us as we worship God and to hear the preaching of His precious Word. We also meet for Bible study and prayer every Wednesday evening at 7.30 p.m. Our Sunday School for Children and Adult Bible Class meet every Lord's Day at 9.30 a.m. from September to June. You can contact us at 604-567-1091. Alternatively, you can email me at pastor.cloverdealfpc at gmail.com. Again, for all this information, please visit our website at cloverdealfpc.ca. Our burden is that you will hear and understand the gospel that will bring you to know the Lord Jesus Christ and his great salvation. This is Pastor Andrew Fitton. Thank you for listening today. And be sure to listen Monday to Friday at 5 a.m. and 5 p.m. and on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. for our one-hour church service as we worship the Lord through the ministry of His Word. Music